welcome to the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. We are training coaches and coaching leaders because we know that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Because we care and we want you to reach your full potential, we coach you to choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights that show up on the dashboard of your life. In this episode of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, I'm going to talk about the gospel and the need to rethink how we tell it to this generation. Now, I've claimed in these podcasts that, strangely enough, some people that do not really want God's help will still come in for spiritual coaching. I don't know, maybe they believe that they can be spiritual for a moment, get help, exit out the back door, and return to living however they want, but now, without the problem they had. Some who come but do not really want God, the God of the Bible, are spiritual people, just not Christians. They're open to religious solutions, maybe even to God, but not to the demands that biblical devotion and holiness present. They, they want the best stuff without the high cost. They have champagne taste on a beer budget. They want to drink, because, become inebriated, but do not want responsibility for what to do while they drunk. <laughs> they seek healing, but not restriction. Freedom without restraint. Whatever metaphor you choose... We have to realize that people in our present culture do not have any idea <clears throat> what a Christian is. We need to explain the biblical gospel with relevant contemporary expressions that non-church people can grasp. They must be told about the free gift of eternal life and the mandatory death or crucifixion that gives life to discipleship. That whole last sentence is foreign, if not repulsive, in our culture. Uh, given that, I'm going to talk you through how I communicate the gospel message to people in our post-Christian culture. It's not it's not complicated, but must be detailed enough to encapsulate the whole story, the, you know, the full gospel. Um, for example, some like to argue whether or not yielding to God's authority over our life is necessary for salvation. I, I don't waste time on the argument, whether it must happen at the moment receive his rescue or at some point afterwards it has to happen i think we all agree on that true disciples after the model that jesus gave us are in submission to the father that that is true i have no doubt so i discuss it right within the conversation about the gospel you do it as you like but the point is that we need enough detail for it to be the true gospel without being watered down for the sake of clarity and ease of acceptance in fact i do not think we want to make it too easy Easy uh, enough for all to ask, ex, uh, access, for sure. Um, but uh, if it is on the bottom shelf uh, with, with too low a cost, it will not be valued as if it was uh, you know, higher to reach and a little bit higher cost. Now, uh, let me repeat a refrain you have heard from me before. Assume nothing, especially when it comes to the state of someone's relationship with God. I, I always question their grasp on a possession of the gospel, no matter how well I know them, how stellar their reputation, how certain I am that they're followers of Jesus Christ. It's, it's just better to ask. And I contend that a true Christ follower will appreciate the question, will understand what you're trying to do with it, and will usually be eager to give glory to God by telling their story of how he rescued their, him, them in their lives. We have to get to this level if we really believe the implications of embracing or rejecting the gospel. Um, to proceed, I need to clarify one other thing. If you have been listening to this podcast, you know that I believe that we are not primarily just saved from sin. I do not think that is even the primary rescue. Now, uh, um, what I mean is that sin is the means, but not the end. What we are saved from is not as important as what we are saved to. 
to forgive our sin is not the primary reason Jesus died on the cross. The primary reason was to restore a relationship with God, and he did that by forgiving our sins. See the order I put that in. <clears throat> and there are multiple references, Romans 5, 2 Corinthians 5, Colossians, Ephesians. Um, I believe this is the central message, or the gospel, the good news, of Christianity. The basic, the, the basic message is that God created us with a need for him, and the only way to fill that longing is through Jesus Christ. To many, this sounds uh, irritatingly exclusive, but the Bible makes it clear that anyone, regardless of race, gender, lifestyle, or any other uniqueness, is invited to know God. He has no favorites. Um, the place we focus and the thing we should elevate is not at all is not a thing at all. It is a person. Make the gospel all about the sin thing, and you focus and elevate the wrong thing. People begin to think that Christianity is about not sinning. That is a false gospel. Even the issue of holiness is relational. We have commands to to be holy as He is holy. Well, that is because relationship with God that we need desperately is only possible if we are holy, since a holy God can only connect with holy people. If that confuses you or seems impossible, go back and re-listen to Season 2, Episodes 18 and 19, and they explain the possible command of holiness. Before I give you my relational telling of the Gospel, I want to read something Paul wrote to one of the first churches. This is not for those you will coach. Um, but, but, but for the, for you as the coach, you probably will, will not read this whole passage to them. If you were to talk to them about it, this is so you can see that I am not making this stuff up. You know, if right now you are doing something else while you're listening to this, just listen, uh, you're, you know, working out or driving your car or whatever it is you're engaged in right now. Don't worry that you're going to miss something, because I'm going to read 12 verses here, and you're, you're not going to catch and remember everything. But I'm going to summarize in a minute, but I want you to hear these words, and just let them sink into your heart, and if uh, a particular part of them, you know, sticks with you, then fine. And I'm reading from Colossians 1, verses 11 through 23, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We pray that you will be strengthened with all the glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace he made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from God by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through, by means of the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. <clears throat> and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Now, I know, that was a lot. 
let me begin at the end. So don't drift away from the truth. That follows on the heels of a declaration that sin is not the main thing, but the means to the main thing. Uh, this is in no way demeans or demotes or diminishes Christ's sacrificial death. In my mind, it elevates it well above just some simple judicial uh, judgment or justice, which is incredibly important. It makes it a thing without which reconciliation with God back into relationship we were created to need, without which real life is impossible. Not just eternal life, but life in the here and now. The, the primary direction of the gospel is relational, not judicial. There is a judicial quality, a huge part of the gospel. But in the end, it is relational. The process is judicial. The, 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 the goal is relational. Achieved by just payment, by legal means, by a sacrificial payment for me and my place that came at great cost to God, but for the purpose of reconciliation. So there's, there's, here's some things about results that I'm just going to, these comments I'm going to pull from those verses I just read. He, was an, he has enabled us to share in his inheritance. Only a, a family shares inheritance. That's relational. He transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. Only family shares a kingdom as children. It's relational. God reconciled everything to himself. <coughs> reconciled speaks for itself. He made peace with everything. Peace speaks for itself. You who were once far away from God, okay? That's relational as well as judicial. You were his enemies, separated from him. Yet now he has again, the word, reconciled you to himself. Not to justice, but to himself. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Now, there's like eight bullets there. How and by what means did he do this? All right, let's go back. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins, okay? By what means is by purchase and forgiveness. <clears throat> by means of Christ's blood on the cross, through the death of Christ in his physical body. <clears throat> there, there's almost three times as many references to the purpose or results of the gospel action than there, are, there is references to the means. This elevates Christ's saving death by not focusing there, but on what Jesus Christ did. Let's take a short break to give your brain a chance to rest. Did you know that this podcast is not the only resource that we have available to help you with your own relationship with God and your spiritual coaching efforts? TwoRivers.Church backslash life coaching, don't forget the hyphen, has dozens of tools and book links to help you in your life with God and your ministry to others. You can even sign up there to get spiritual coaching for yourself with Pastor Carrie, either in person or virtually. It's a work in progress and we'll be getting a facelift soon, but it's chock full of practical content to read, watch, and listen to. Wherever you choose to interact with Pastor Carrie online, please remember to rate, like, follow, and share so that other leaders and coaches can find this helpful content. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie, you can go to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching, email him at carrie at tworivers.church, or text him on Twitter or Facebook by going to at SC dashboard. All right, let's finish today's episode of the podcast. All right, in case you inclined to think that maybe that passage I read and, and this relational focus is not a systemic teaching within the biblical writings in the New Testament. Let me just grab a couple other for, for you and read them to you. Romans 5.10. For since our friendship with God was restored or reconciled 
We were once enemies, and okay, so since our friendship, because we were enemies, needed to be restored, reconciled, he did so by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So let me read it without the confusion. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. 2 Corinthians 5.18 And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people with him. Together as one body, Ephesians 2.16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. The more subtle part of this gospel story is that God has moved towards us first. We just simply need to respond. God enabled, God transferred, God reconciled, God made peace, God brought us near. God is the one who did this. He moved towards us Um he showed us his, his love first. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The idea of reconcile in the original language Paul used is of the exchange of the change or exchange of one thing for another. This is the best trade in the history of trades. Enemies for friends. Distance for proximity. Animosity for peace. Death for life. Outcast for child. Orphans for son and daughter. Lost for found. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I think that the, the task of calling others to this reconciliation is a high and incredible honor, an honorable calling indeed. Unfortunately, very arms of the church, various arms of the church have gotten sidetracked and left behind the true gospel in an attempt to lift up the sacrificial work of Christ. An honorable effort, for sure. In doing so, they have actually devalued it and lost the purpose of the gospel in the process. There was a time past when the church was losing multiple aspects of the truth and importance of Christ's role. And so voices committed to our king and to the true gospel spoke up and, and emphasized this part of the biblical story of redemption. <clears throat> I think we call that period the Reformation. Other parts had for their... Um, other parts had their font reduced and their impact and importance de-emphasized, um, and for good historical and doctor reasons, because other parts of the gospel really need to be brought to the forefront. But this is not that time in this post-Christian era. People do not have a general understanding of the biblical economy regarding sin and salvation. How the Older Testament sets the stage for Christ as the second Adam to stand in and pay for sins with his life through the shedding of his blood is utterly unknown. Again, that, that, that verse is just silly talk to most people. Talk like this and people look at you as if you have a third eye on the middle of your forehead. And then they check out. How justice both demands and is satisfied by Jesus Christ's substitutionary atonement has completely lost on a generation that has devalued life, downplayed the shedding of blood, and rejected the high place God deserves and the humble place we should accept. A new indignation needs to rise in this time. No, not a retelling that deconstructs anything that is true to Scripture or that softens or heretically changes the gospel, but that comes at it in a way people around us today can grasp. <clears throat> I'm accepting we I'm, I'm suggesting we re-sign the gospel story, not because the old terms and focus are wrong, but because they do not connect or communicate anything anymore. Today's need is to clarify a different part of the gospel. Keep the biblical truth, but change the language, at least until people can wrap their heads around it. Then, when they are all in, give them the ancient theological jargon, no problem. Teach them deeper truths that connect back to the Old Testament sacrificial 
system and the meanings of passages like Romans 5.12 and, and, and following and, and the Old Testament leaning book of Hebrews. You don't have to use the approach I do. Just use one that is both solidly evangelical and biblical and relatable. We are in a post-wordless book society. Some of you might remember the wordless book. It was all the rage a generation or so ago. It used five colors to tell the gospel, but it was not the whole gospel. It began with black by telling people that they had sinned. This is where they started with it. You're a sinner. It's true. But that's where they started. Um, that is not even doctrinally or biblically true. We cannot change the good news in our attempts to make it short and simple. Relevant is not the same thing as truncated, which, by the, main, by the way, truncated comes from a Latin word that means maimed. Maiming the gospel is not what we mean when we update and contemporize it. The word is book, which also had a, a little ditty you could sing along with it, goes on from black for sin, red for the blood and of Jesus, white to purity, gold for heaven, and green to growth. Newer attempts have added a color and rearranged them in an attempt to fix some of the original flaws, but all I have seen do not begin in Genesis 1. They do not begin by telling the story that we were made and designed for relationship with God. They begin in Genesis 3 and lose then the wonder of created bliss on this planet in relationship with God. Here is at least one problem with this approach today. People do not see themselves as sinners. Second, they do not have any reference for the teaching in Hebrews that explains that forgiveness comes only through shed blood. Heck, forgiveness is grossly misunderstood as well. And third, many people do not even believe in the afterlife, have a very weird idea of it in heaven, if they do, and are really focused on trying to do life in the here and now. Should they have those concerns and knowledge? Yes. But until you come with something they feel they need and want, they are not going to listen. <clears throat> so, my telling is a relational telling. It, it, it goes something like this. I start with Genesis 1 and say that we were designed and created by God for a relationship with Him, without which we will feel hollow and pointless. Uh, rejecting God in His guidelines, which is sin, but people don't know what sin is, so rejecting God in His guidelines and His Lordship separates us from God, leaving a God, the God-shaped void we are created with empty. We are the ones that walked away from God. He didn't walk away from us. We cannot get back to God on our own, not without God's help. Because God loves us, he made a way. He brought us back to himself. He took the first step. While we were yet sinners, he moved towards us. We receive God's gift by faith, by believing the good news of the gospel and then following his lead. When we reconnect with God through faith in Jesus Christ, we are changed and made new. I mean, simple terms, not any theological um, jargon in there. To give it handles, I have often taught it this way. I... I, I I developed this way of teaching it when I um, was writing um, a class for um, uh, people that were new to our church. What I, what I did is I, I took a clear drinking glass and I set it on the table in front of everyone. And then I dropped a handful of pens and pencils in it and I asked two questions. I asked the class, is this glass being useful? They respond, yes. Then I ask, is this glass fulfilled? Now, they don't always know how to respond because I have not fully explained what I'm getting at yet. But eventually, they, they, they say no. Then I, I, I pick up that glass with the pen still in it and put some papers underneath it, turning it, in, turning it into a paperweight. And then I say, look, 
Now it's a high achiever. It's multitasking as a pencil holder and a paperweight. Then I ask my questions to which the answers are still yes and no. Yes, it's very useful. No, it's not fulfilled. It's being um, is useful but not fulfilled. You know, the funny thing is that even though people usually know the answer is that it's not satisfied with its life, they're not sure why. Logically and instinctively, they know what a drinking glass was made for, but they do not get what I'm driving at yet. So, next I remove the papers from under it, and I take the pens out of it, and I pour it full of water. And then, and this is critical, I pick the glass up, take a big swallow, and breathe a satisfying as I put the glass back down. Then I look up and most people have this smile on their face, this, this look that says, oh, I get it. And I hardly need to ask the questions, but I do. In fact, usually they can't wait for me to ask the questions because now they get it and now they get to say two yeses. Yes, this glass is being useful. And yes, it is satisfying. And it only did one thing. But it did it well. Imagine that. I tell them that they are glasses designed not to hold water, but to dis- uh, water, but to dispense it. And God is the water. And without Him inside and overflowing to meet the longings of of those around them, they will keep trying new things to quiet the inner voice that tells them they are not fulfilled, and will become more and more frustrated with life until they let God fill them and flow out from them. They'll keep trying to put. Who knows what in the glass? They'll try everything. They'll they'll do more than multitask. They'll stuff the glass full of other things. They'll put more things under it. And they still will be useful and yet unfulfilled. That's the way I uh, illustrate the gospel because people do not understand that they were created with a God-shaped void. And they don't, of course, then know how to fill the longing of their heart. Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we'll talk about uh, four this for that items that will come up in almost everyone's life that we coach. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. We pray that God uses the spiritual coaching dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are in the upstate New York area, specifically Binghamton, or are visiting or just passing through, look Pastor Carrie and myself up. We'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.